0: Podcast brought to you by Seven Sisters Homeschool.com and the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I'm Vicki, and I am here with two good friends. So, one is a mom friend, and one is a homeschool graduate, now a professional veterinarian friend. So, so this is my friend, Dr. Barb Barnell, and we've had Barbara on the podcast at least once before, somewhere yes. we talked about gifted kids somewhere in the yes. past. And then and Doctor Sarah <laughs> Barnell. So two doctoral um, people in the uh, room with me today. And we wanted to talk about what it's like to be a scientist and also a follower of Christ. Because sometimes in our, you know, American culture it feels like those are kind of antithetical. Like, you can't be a scientist and you can't be a Christian at the same time. And uh, so I thought it'd be interesting to get our story. So I I can remember one of the things that brought me to the Lord, besides the birds, which I'll tell my bird story one of these (laughs) days, but I was a young biologist. Uh, I wasn't nearly smart enough to be a biology major, but when I was a kid in college, and I would listen to the our, my biology professor and the, the grad student, that TA'd, and they would be in class, you know, debating different denominations of evolution. I never knew there were different denominations of evolution, like, you know, well, I think it was this way and this way. And, uh, and I would be sitting there in the class and going, um, What about the second law of thermodynamics? You know? Because <laughs> to me, that didn't make any sense. And I was just as hippie, I didn't believe in anything, you know. And so that really got me questioning. So I thought, so Barb, tell us about your scientist story and believing in Christ story. Okay. Um,
1: Well, I grew up uh, in a nominally Catholic home. Didn't go through uh, to to church much. So by the time I had hit college, uh, you know, I really wasn't. I I was never following Christ, but I really wasn't that interested. So I got a uh, bachelor's master's and then a PhD in polymer science from Penn State and then came to work for DuPont and God had a plan because he put me in with a group that had a number of Christians in it
0: at, du- at, DuPont. at
1: DuPont and we you know they ended up witnessing to me and eventually I realized that I had a lot of head knowledge about God but not heart knowledge and I you know bent my knee and you know acknowledged Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Um, then the first thing that I did is, I, again, growing up Catholic, you know a lot about the Bible, but I really wasn't encouraged to really read all of it. So I decided to read the Bible from start to finish. And again, being the scientist, it was kind of like, well, this is either I believe it or I don't. So if I say I believe it, then I believe everything. So it was very logical progression for me for reading the first three books of Genesis to say, Okay, God did it in seven days. That's fine, and but it was exciting then to find resources like Institute for Creation Research, Answers in Genesis, and other groups that actually had the scientific basis for you know that there is scientific evidence for the way that God created.
0: It was nice not being the only one that was thinking those thoughts. But right. Also, be a scientist. Right. Yeah. And, okay. So. Then we have Sarah, who has a whole different story because you were raised a homeschooler. Yes. So, what is your story, Ben? Yeah. As... So,
2: um, I was raised in a home, a Christian home. So, I became a Christian at a young age before I think I had my first science class. Although, I'm sure we did a field trip of science out in nature at some point. <laughs> um, so, to me, it was always just kind of normal to be mm-hmm. a, Christian and a scientist, because um, my mom was one. Um, and so then went through, did my biologies, um, did a lot of creation research, went to creation conferences, um, heard a lot of that evidence that my mom was talking about, um, ended up going to school. I went to a Christian undergrad, so that was nice when my professors was a creationist as mm-hmm. well. Um, so I had that background. Not all of my professors were um, so I so got a
0: different so I got a different points.
2: perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to take a creation evolution class. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I demolished the evolution mm-hmm. side of it because yeah. I had done so much of the creation research side before. Um, but to me, it always still made sense, the evidence mm-hmm. and everything like that. Um, then I did my veterinary degree. So my doctorate at um, University of California. Uh, California is not known for their conservative, views. This is true. <laughs> um, so it was very different. Um, none of my classmates, um, that I know of were really, truly creationist Christian. Um, I was pretty much one of the only ones that went to a pretty much straight Bible believing church. Mm. Fortunately, my church did believe in creation out there. Um, it was rare find and they actually did have some professors and stuff like that. So Uh, That was really nice and encouraging, but I did get a different um, perspective of what kind of people see it as Mm -hmm. um, and uh, kind of looked down upon um, and not believed or thought that you were a serious scientist if you believed it. Um, They were kind of like, you can either be a Christian or you can be a scientist, but you can't be both. And if you call yourself a scientist, if you're a creationist, you're just a pseudoscientist. Um, which I don't believe. because yeah. <laughs> I Clearly. Still, yeah. Clearly, I still believe in creation. I still think there's lots of evidence. Um, every time I went through my degree, I chose it, one, because I love it, but also because I see God in everything I'm studying. Mm-hmm. Um, every time we were learning about the intricacies and, oh, this one um, DNA molecule changes, and it changes, and it's a life and death thing. And I'm like, so how did that even evolve? <laughs> like, if we know that one tiny change basically means death, like, that makes no sense and in an evolutionary progression good. that you could actually have that no matter how many random changes or time you give it. Like, it's just too detailed, too complicated. And the more you learn about it, the more you're like, oh my goodness, this is really complicated. And then you think you've learned everything and then go to another level and you're like... Okay, so that's even more complicated. So for me, I just it's an encouragement every time I look at something
0: and see something, and I'm like, "Yeah, God made that," and it's so incredibly complex. It, it's it really is. I as far as and I'm I'm not a PhD scientist, but one of the things that that I have learned over time as a counselor, we have to keep up with the, the neuroscience as much as our little pea brains will do, and just knowing how important methylfolate is to survival you know like that's like how how does that evolve you know like if our brain can't make serotonin unless it has methylfolate as part of the process of serotonin formation and that 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 and we just magically evolve from one place to the next with serotonin producing brains so Mm -hmm. yeah it's doesn't bother me at all to believe that god had to whip that up so <laughs> yeah all right so uh, barb what is it like for you to be a creationist and a scientist
1: um i don't see any problem with it i think that in some respects it's easier to be a creationist as a, and a scientist than an evolutionist and a scientist because to me So many evolutionists have to ignore things like you and Sarah have just been talking about. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding, and and I love to read uh, people's biographies of how they came from being an evolutionist to creationist. And most of the time, the admission is, I never really thought about the evidence. Uh I just, I learned it. And it made sense on an upper level. But Mm -hmm. when I really looked at it, it Mm -hmm. didn't make Mm -hmm. any sense Mm -hmm. um i remember reading in particular a um a a, a biography of a dentist who said in dental school he had learned that fish scales evolve uh into teeth or teeth into if i get things fish fish scales scales into into teeth and he said that made sense until one of my students who was a christian actually asked me how that could happen and he said it took three years of really pondering it before we realized it couldn't. And that's really what the, where he became a creationist, because he said, when I really looked at the evidence. And it's exciting to me to see there's groups even that are non-Christian mm-hmm. that are um, anti-evolution because they mm-hmm. said it just couldn't happen. Mm-hmm. There's, there's so much out there that uh, the whole idea of intelligence, the whole inf- idea of information... That just couldn't happen from an evolutionary perspective. So, so scientists are even coming coming into this, even from a non-Christian perspective, saying that this doesn't really make so any sense.
0: Needed some divine intervention yes. for these things to happen. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, Sarah, what is it like for you to have gone through a secular college in the you know the best vet school in the country, and you're successful and you have a career? So your being a Christian, you being a creationist, did not stop you from being successful to get through that, all the hoops you had to jump through. What what has that been like for you doing that process? So it has been an interesting process.
2: Um, At times, you just sort of have to keep your mouth shut because there's times Mm -hmm. to um, bring up Uh, evidence and Mm -hmm. your views and there's times where you're like, okay, I just have to learn this from the test. Is it really worth arguing it for a multiple choice test when the professor really doesn't care? Um, And so, you know, there are times where I've just had to memorize the evolutionary facts, put Mm -hmm. it on a piece of paper and been like, okay, well, that's what they wanted. Mm -hmm. I know that it's wrong, but that's what you want for this test
0: so so it's not like you're going to hell over this this is not a place you need to argue
2: no yeah no because there's no point in your career failing a test or getting a question wrong Mm -hmm. not because you don't know the information or can't memorize the information just because you're trying to make a point like you can make your point later when you've gotten your degree um and have something behind it and Mm -hmm. have the evidence Um, Mm -hmm. nobody listens to you as a student always. Um, you can bring it up if the, Mm -hmm. uh, if it comes up like the dentist or something where the student, you goes up and asks, you know, how did that happen or something like that? Sure. That's an appropriate time to bring it up. But for the most part, um, your professors are very busy people. And um, are just writing a test because someone told them they have to test on the topic they taught right. and they're going through their PowerPoint slides saying, oh, this seems like a good one. I'm going to make a multiple choice of this. And so it's not really worth arguing
0: whether you like their multiple choice question or not. <laughs> so really, it, you need wisdom on when there are times to discuss your other beliefs. Yeah. And, uh, and when it's times that this is not important.
2: Yeah. And there were times where, especially more in undergrad with some of my professors, I said, um, weren't creationists, although I had one that was. Mm-hmm. Um, there were times that I brought it up, especially we had an evolution creation class, so it was both sides. Yeah. So I definitely brought it up in that yeah. one because um, it was inappropriate and that was what the class was about. Yeah. Um, I also brought it up in, I had to take a theology class and my theology professor wasn't a creationist, which is kind of... Seems backwards, but um, he had just not really looked at it, and so I brought mm-hmm. it up in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, for multiple-choice test questions, one PowerPoint slide out of 200 that the professor lectures, mm-hmm. they're not really, they're pulling it out of a textbook half the time. Yeah. So it's not really their area of interest or research half the time. It's because they were told they had to put an embryo development Test question on the test, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Okay, well, I'm pulling it from this slide that was from this textbook." Yeah. Um. So a lot of times, um, I didn't get a lot of evolutionary questions mm-hmm. in vet school. Um, as I said, there might have been one or two, and at that point, you just are like, "Okay, well, that's you know that was presented yeah. on the slide. That's what they want. That's the answer they'll get." Mm-hmm. Um. But it wasn't usually focused on too much, which mm-hmm. was kind of interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that it. They weren't training you to be an evolutionist, they're yeah. training you to be a veterinarian, yeah. And so, you were getting the information you needed to be a good professional, yeah. So, and it,
2: their point yeah. of view when you're looking at it, so it is interesting. So, as a veterinarian now. My point of view is God created that animal in that specific way and that's how you have to treat them. Mm-hmm. Some people come where, oh, well, they evolved and so this is how it used to be and so they try and treat it how it used to be and that doesn't work very well. Uh-huh. Um, So it's a different uh-huh. way of approaching it. So I ran into more of that where they'd approach a problem differently and that's really hard to bring up in a topic of discussion on, well, why are you approaching it that way? Why aren't you approaching it this way? Because it's, it's just sometimes a preference on how you approach a problem. Yeah. So I'm not gonna tell you to approach a puzzle where you have to do the edge pieces first and then work on the, you know, sky first or something. Someone's like, well maybe I wanna work on a tree and then do the house and then the sky and then the edges. Mm. Like it's not
0: there's not one right way no. to do something. And so there yeah.
2: maybe their basis is flawed that their mm. evolution but it's not a Easy way of bringing up mm-hmm. uh,
0: the topic of creationism. <laughs> so, so you're you're finding that as you go, you need to follow how God's leading you, mm-hmm. and uh, it takes a fair amount of savvy to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, having raised three daughters, yes. Barb, <laughs> um, and as a scientist, but also as a creation family, uh, what? How did you handle science and, and you know theological ideas with your daughters?
1: Um, again, mainly what I said is we were very much of the opinion that if the Bible says it, then it's true. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to start arguing, well, the first three chapters in Genesis don't count, you might as well just throw it all out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of... You know, God, it's the same thing with Jesus. Jesus said, either believe who I am or not. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's not. This and half, choosing it's is not. Now, yeah. So, what I really cared about for my kids and for any young people that I really mm-hmm. deal with is that they believe in the Bible and that knowing that there is evidence, that the, the evidence that's there is totally consistent with a biblical worldview mm-hmm. in terms of creationism mm-hmm. and, in fact, supports it better than the alternate, which is evolution. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, was more important, that they knew that they had a reason for their faith, and their faith wasn't a... I mean, in some respects, our faith is blind in that we can't see God. Right. But we can't, can certainly see evidence of God, mm-hmm. just like you know, Paul said in the book of Romans. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I wanted them to see, and any young people that I really deal with, mm-hmm. that you know, pe- when people say there's no evidence for the Bible, there isn't any evidence for creation, that they're wrong. Yeah. There is. You have to look at it yourself and make your decision, but there it's there. Mm-hmm. It's there if you look for it.
0: So do you remember any defining moments, Sarah, when you were growing up, you know, like like, oh, my mom is so right on this, you know <laughs> like or, you know, like like creation just makes sense to me.
2: Um, oh, that's a tough one because there is it was kind of just throughout
0: like, it was we go in, yeah. We go out
2: and collect leaves, and it was like, look at God's creation. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember going to a creation conference. Um, oh, how old was I? Eight, ten? I was really little, and we went up to um, the PhD speakers talking on their creation research. Mm-hmm. It was for the Institute for Creation Research. And they had an Australian guy, and he was talking about nuclear fission. Well, with his accent, I thought he was saying fishing. And so I was, like, totally <laughs> lost. I was like, what is nuclear fishing?" <laughs> and so um, I don't know how much I got out of that conference. But you remember but about fishing. I remember them, about yeah. fishing. And then later realizing it was talking about fishing. Um Yeah, I think it was just kind of always throughout. And, you know, I had read the Bible. We, Mm -hmm. it was part of schooling and things like that. And so it, to me, it made sense. And the seven day two made sense versus, um, the evolutionary tree. I don't think we ever really went through what evolution had said the progress was Mm -hmm. until I got to college. And then I looked at it and I was
1: like, how does anyone think this is true? Um, I mean, you saw some of that with we went to a lot of museums, a lot yes, of zoos, yes, I a saw, lot of things. So yes. you kind of were. I was aware of it. I hadn't
2: ever had it officially, like the whole timeline and the um, dates, the Cambrian explosion, and all of the terms. I guess that would be associated. I saw it in museums and mm-hmm. zoos and stuff like that, um, and I definitely heard of it and um, everything. But uh, I guess that, like, when I finally saw it all together in a class, I was kind of like, what? Because yeah, really? <laughs> you, like, read the account in Genesis, and it's so different. Like, God makes sea creatures and birds on the same day, and then the next day he makes land creatures. And the evolutionary progression is sea creatures to land creatures to birds. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, well, okay, you have sea creatures and birds on the day before land creatures. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that doesn't even... That's not even possible, like, according to Genesis. Um, And if you look at it um, and the progression and things like that, yeah, it makes sense. Maybe if you're looking at the typical species that they present on the evolutionary tree that looks all pretty and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But when you start looking at, like, the weird creatures, like an octopus or something like that, in terms of, like, the um, eye development, because we learned about this in vet school, and you're looking at the eyes and it's like, well... According to the evolutionary tree, an eyeball, this complex, would have had to come up twice in the evolutionary tree Uh because they're uh not related. And so Mm -hmm. they'd have to develop in separate, identical but separate parts of the tree. And It's just kind of like... So it's not only once that had to happen, but multiple times? And so it's just... You you sit there and then you're like, well, okay, what about a platypus or something? Where do they fit in? (laughs) So it's just like it's it's tough for... I remember it's oh it's supposed to be like whales came from sea creatures so it's like mm-hmm. fish to lizards and then mammals eventually and then mammals went back into the water as whales and I just remember being like how yeah. <laughs> like, I can't see a, like any land creature like swimming that
0: <laughs> <land>. <laughs> like yeah I always wondered how that exactly took place yeah, <laughs> yeah. so uh, yeah so that for you for y'all as a family the reading the bible and knowing scripture it was the foundational thing that was just part of raising you up Mm -hmm. and I, I think it's something worth noting is a lot of times and this is not I'm not making a judgment on churches, but our, a lot of our churches are post-read the Bible, mm-hmm. and so I remember I would take informal polls when I was teaching the homeschool group classes most years, and a lot of the kids never cracked the Bible. It just wasn't, you know, it wasn't relevant to you know interesting lessons at church, and and so they didn't know really what Scripture said. In y'all's family, what was important was y'all did read scripture. Yes. And so it made sense to you to view uh, the, the world through that lens first. And then also what y'all did is just experience life through the lens of God. So y'all would look at the leaves outside and say, you know, this is God's creation. So y'all, you were raised, Sarah, to be aware mm-hmm. of God's presence and work. So I think y'all made it a lifestyle rather than a defining moment is where I said that was just this um, walking and talking scripture kind of, you know, it is in Leviticus where it tells us to teach your children when they're sitting down and rising up and going in and out. And uh, that's, I think, what y'all lived. Mm -hmm. So, yes. The one thing that
1: I tried to do too, and and it kind of goes back to taking Sarah to a PhD creation conference. When she's she's eight. Yeah. Why that is the best thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But she saw scientists who she may not have understood what they were saying, but they were passionate about mm-hmm. God and passionate that God's create that that God was seen in creation uh-huh. mm-hmm. and that everything was totally consistent. So I did intentionally make sure that she was exposed to godly people who she valued because at some point, and and you know this in your teens, your kids start wanting to you know. To look at other people, to mm-hmm. to see, you know, our mom and dad, you know, consistent in their beliefs with with other people, um, and I always wanted them to have that that knowledge that there were other people out there besides mom and dad who so also you, believed to this. You just
0: didn't have nutty parents, so. no. right? <laughs> <laughs> there were other intelligent people. Who thought, you know, that the God of the universe created the universe and and all these things. So, yes. Yeah. Would y'all have any suggestions for other homeschool families or for teenagers who are starting to think, you know, like they're watching a nature show and they're talking about evolution. Do you have any suggestions for, for teens or families, Sarah?
2: Yeah, um... I would just encourage them, one, to look at what the Bible says. Um, two, don't throw it out because it's the Bible. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of evidence backing it up, um, both mm-hmm. in the scientific way but also mm-hmm. historically. Um, and so if they have questions about that, there's a lot of fairly easy websites, the Institute mm-hmm. for Creation Research, Answers in Genesis, um, but then also some of the historical ones... Um, there's lots of books, and they just made a movie off of A Case for Christ. Um, so it's it's not just an old-fashioned book that you grew up reading mm-hmm. um, and is good guidelines for life. It is, honestly, a true book that was, um, you know, it's inspired scripture from God, so it's all true, mm-hmm. all of it, every word. Um, and if, like, it seems confusing or something like that, go and look into it. Mm-hmm. But also, in those... Nature documentaries and everything like that, look at what they're actually saying and try and find the evidence behind what they're saying as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So, because it sounds really nice when they say something fancy and flowing, but you know, what's
0: the evidence behind what they're saying? Yeah, because everybody has a presupposition they are working from. Yeah. And if you understand, they have the presupposition that evolution created everything then they will talk about this this information in a that in that slant. Yeah. yeah. And, you
2: know, don't be intimidated just because you feel like you're the only one mm-hmm. who believes in Christ or creation and everyone else doesn't seem to and you mm-hmm. are being you know, there's a lot of times where in school they'd refer to, you know, creationists is stupid Mm -hmm. or not looking at the evidence and stuff like that it's just because they haven't looked at it yeah they haven't they have no idea what evidence we Mm -hmm. have behind Mm -hmm. it or um you know because they've they've never cared to look Mm -hmm. at another point of view besides the one they were taught Mm -hmm. and what they read um you know textbooks can be wrong um people with PhDs can be wrong um what yeah (laughs) I know it's it's (laughs) Um, especially if it's an area outside of what they've studied. Yeah. Um, you'd ask one of my pathologist professors, who's probably top in their field, You know, a question about an animal that's living and breathing, and they look at you like you have ten eyes, because they're like, I have no clue. Yeah. Um, go ask the internal medicine person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's, it's an area of interest and focus, and a lot of times your professors and teachers who are teaching you haven't actually sat down and looked and studied really in depth um, into the evolutionary world or um, creationism or anything like that. And so just because you feel like that's what you're, you believe um, mm. and what you grew up, don't, don't throw it out because you are suddenly
0: told something different. Actually sit down and, and look at it and decide for yourself. And that, that being able to look at things and make your own decision is, is a wise... Yeah, you know, permission to give oneself. So, yeah. Barb, how? What suggestions would you give to moms? You know, having mm-hmm. been a mom, but also you have taught group classes with our local homeschoolers, right? For so long as as the scientists, <laughs> and uh, what what could you encourage moms and you know homeschool co op mom <laughs> teachers and all about creation and science. Well, one of the things is there's so many wonderful DVDs out there uh-huh. um,
1: for students of all ages, from preschoolers all the way up to, you know, college and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, use those resources, you know, pull together, you know, especially with co-ops, you, mm-hmm. can, you can buy these things, and they're really well done, and um, they, they are an easy way to get a lot of information mm-hmm. age-appropriately into students Mm -hmm. um and the students are used to video Mm -hmm. and it it gels well with them so then they can go and look then on websites and read or books but i would suggest one of the one of the best ways that we've seen is really using dvds and i've used dvds you know with my kids a lot
0: maybe a Get in contact with you and get some links from you and put in our show notes oh, for sure. some of your favorite resources. And then, if I could add that, if you help kids learn to think, yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the things that we have been blessed with at sevensistershomeschool.com dot com is uh, Dr. Gerald Cully. Ah yes, uh, has taught apologetics to our local kids, and he was the classics professor at University of Delaware until his retirement and uh, sometimes after his retirement, mm-hmm. too. And he loves to help young people think ap- apologetically about our faith. And he created some PowerPoints at, with voiceovers just talking about scripture and apologetics and how to think and mm-hmm. archaeology and science. Yes. And uh, and he gave them to us free so that young people could have access to that. So if you just go to our website, you can just download all these apologetics powerpoints which is very good yes Can i actually point out one more thing
2: too to encouraging people so a lot of times professors um in college if they are creationists if they're in a secular college they don't often announce it to the class yeah so you may have a professor who actually is a creationist that you would never know because they can't teach it from their podium right in lecture all Mm -hmm. you will see is the absence of of evo- any evolutionary slides, um, the ones that are for evolution and stuff will proclaim it loudly from yeah. their their teaching podium. But you will have professors who can't share it openly. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. So just because you don't see them mm-hmm. doesn't mean they're not there. That that is a very good point. And also, um, you can be a Christian and not be a creationist mm-hmm. at the same time because you know if we follow. Um, You know, like the Romans wrote or something like that. You never see and you believe in creation as part of the the things. I just want to bring that up because one of my very best friends is a professor and she's a biologist and she's all chill with evolution. It always mystifies me. Um, but anyway, I don't want to freak anybody out that way, but I, yes. you know, for, you know, when we look for us, when we look at the evidence that's out there and for me, just like I mentioned birds, you know, just looking at birds, they make no sense <laughs> evolutionarily. And, uh, that's to me, that's, you know, like God made all these different kind of birds and there's no reason for that. And so, i believe that god created and yeah. i believe foundationally from scripture i believe that first mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i think we you know we've raised our families in that immersion and i i think it's very restful to be able just to let god be the creator so yes. anyway. um mm-hmm. uh, so we'll put links in the the show notes of any resources you guys have all right so thank you, ladies, for visiting with us. It's, it's just really good to keep bringing back up. You know, we can just get buried under the things we have to put on a transcript. But to bring up, it's good to examine our faith and our beliefs and and why we believe in creation. Yes. And uh, to have that as part of our lifestyle as homeschoolers, because we want to prepare our next generation To go out and be great vets and chemists and polymer scientists and (laughs) go change the world. All right, well, thank you. And this has been the Homeschool High School Podcast, brought to you by Seven Sisters Homeschool.com and the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.